Hi everybody, I'm Katie, compulsive eater and bulimic and clumsy person. So I'm just going to really <laughs> try not to break everything. Um, thank you so much, Peter, for asking me to speak. Uh, this is my first time at this meeting and I, I can't, that seems crazy to me because I'm looking out at all these faces and I know some of you and I know your recovery is rad and like, um, I, I just, it's just a good reminder to me to step outside my comfort zone, including in like my meeting schedule and to, to just keep reaching um, into new places to look for recovery. Uh, okay, so I feel nervous. I feel really nervous today. And I think it's less about this being like a big meeting and more about me feeling like I should be somewhere different in my recovery than I am. Um, so I guess I'll, I guess I'll just do the, you know, what it was like, what happened and what it's like now. I feel like that's a good format for my ramblings. Um, so I, I came into program through quite like a magic of movies miracle moment. That was great alliteration, you guys. Um, my, one of my best friends lived out here in LA. I had just moved out in 2011 in the fall and she was over, I don't know, having dinner or uh, helping me unpack or something. And she left or she was going to leave and, and her bag fell open and the newcomer packet spilled out like this. <laughs> you know, like rain. And it really like ridiculously, like it could have been from an animated movie just like uh, made a bridge, you know, to asking the question, what is this? And um, so I did ask, what is this? And uh, I'm, I'm very grateful that she had been in other, other rooms before because I think she was new to OA as well, but was very open about telling me about it. And um, I asked if it would be weird if I went to a meeting with her and she said it would not be weird, which is great. And I went and just sobbed for, you know, from then till now. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I, I had the experience that I've heard a lot of people have, which is I, I came into the room, I sat down, and before the meeting even began, I knew this was different. This was, and it makes me so moved to remember those mornings. It was at the 7.30 morning in the morning Hill Street meeting where like the sun is coming through the windows, just like very appropriate for my rainbow experience thus far. And it felt different, it felt new, and it felt, um, it felt permanent in a way that I hadn't experienced in my life. Um, and I'm so grateful because I get to look out now at all of these faces and all of your family and all of you support my recovery in my life. Um, so that is how I, how I got here, sort of. But what it looked like before was a pretty normal childhood. I'm from Atlanta, so we just all eat. Um, like we, we just, it's just a city and state of compulsive eaters and we embrace that. Um, and my dad was the city brother of his family, the art school kid who, who got out of rural, rural South Georgia and moved to the city. And my mom is a super artistic woman. My sister's a painter. My, I, I tell the story that my parents talked my sister out of a 
business degree and into an art degree. So like, that's the kind of family I grew up in. But I also grew up in a family of compulsive eaters, compulsive spenders, compulsive-ites. Um, my grandfather's an alcoholic, and it's been really interesting and painful to trace what, how all of us got here through my family the more I learn. You know, it's hard, it's hard to unsee what you see in program. Um, but what's great, it is not my job to fix any of them. <laughs> oh, like, it's so freeing to just focus on me. Um, so my childhood was pretty normal other than, you know, we just, we just ate a lot. And I probably ate a lot more on certain occasions than I needed to. I don't have a whole lot of memories of, like, sneaking too much food at a young age. I do remember, and I don't know how young I was, but I remember the day that I thought that the kids' meal somewhere would not be enough. And I was definitely still a kid. And I now order kids' meals, so I know that those are enough food. It just felt like not enough, you know. And, and um, that, was, that was sort of how it went. I moved from downtown Atlanta to a suburb just outside the city, right in the middle of, like, middle school years, which is a great time to move and be a new kid. Um, and I think that was the first time I really felt outside of my family, like an other, uh, like the, the kid who had the cool thrift store shirts in the sea of sweater sets. And it took me a few, just a few weeks to 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 want to fill that with with a sweater or a friendship or with the slang or being cool or eating what they were eating. And um, I'm grateful that through high school, for the most part, I didn't have. I didn't have a whole lot of body stuff. I was always at a fairly normal weight. It changed a lot for a kid, so that's kind of interesting to look back on. But I, um, I did great in school. Man, I have been a straight-A student since I was thought of by my parents. <laughs> like, I have been winning at everything from day one. And um, so that, I think, took the place of, of, of eating for me a lot, you know, to achieving and succeeding and being on the honor roll and getting the part in the play and doing this thing for singing and whatever. And um, I, I just didn't realize until I was an adult how destructive that path of thinking is and how, and how much it fed and how much of a rise I got out of that perfectionism. Um, and then I went to college, and um, I have some autoimmune disorders and my celiac disease onset. And so I joke with a friend that we used to pass each other going to the bathroom on the floor where no one lived because we were just so sick and we couldn't eat and food became enemies. She had another health issue. And I, thank God, had, had gained some freshman weight because I'm a compulsive eater and didn't know how to like, go to college without it. But thank God, because I, I was so sick, I lost, I don't know, 40, 45 pounds in a year, nine months, something. And I didn't look good. I looked sick. I was sick. And, um, I mean, it really was difficult as a perfectionist, as a straight-A kid, not to be able to know, to understand what the problem was and to fix it. So, like, brain my way through it. Um, it took seven years for me to get a diagnosis. So I had a long time of food becoming the enemy and me trying to learn everything I could to manipulate what was happening in my body. 
for my health, but also because at a point it was kind of nice when people were like, you are so thin. Are you, are you dying? You know, <laughs> I was like, yes, and yes, you know, just like, it, you know, I do remember a moment of sanity when a friend's mom said, you look so great. And I thought, I don't. I, really? Are you crazy? I'm the crazy. Like, I, I don't, but I, I learned that positive reinforcement of being a walking skeleton was awesome. Um, and so I could write you a diet book for everything you ever need. See me after. I'm happy to do that. Um, and I did that for years and years and years. And through the health stuff, I started needing to use laxatives and other, other digestive things to help me have a normal system. And then I didn't need them anymore, but I still use them. And that, I mean, it was probably from the time the end of my freshman year happened to, uh, I guess the first time that I knew I needed help was after my wedding. I got married to a super hot man. He's gorgeous (laughs) and at home still. um, I got married pretty early. Um, We met almost 19 years ago now, though, so I knew. Um, And I, by the grace of God, had a wedding day free from obsession. I don't know how that happened because I was definitely like, how can I squeeze this and not eat that and do this and not do that? But the day of, thank God, I had a a reprieve. Um, But about a month later post-event depression or something set in and I was in a corner having downed a bottle of 150 laxatives in three days or something and and I called my parents and I said I I don't know what's wrong with me I'm not okay and thank God they live close and are willing to be in my life and and took me to a doctor and my husband came home and we all sat up till 6 a.m. and I could get an appointment and my biggest fear seeing this wonderful new physician was that she was going to tell me I had an eating disorder. It's my big, that, like, really, truly, I was like, please don't say it. Because strong, smart women don't have that. Right? Strong, smart women know that that's not a, a correct thing to do, and they don't do it. And thank God my doctor did not tell me that. She was like, no, no, it's major depression, and it's manifesting in this way. Uh, no, it's, that's not it. Uh, but I did get some help, and I got into therapy, which was great and useful. Uh, and then in 2010, my husband and I were living in this gorgeous little house, uh, basement apartment, and one of my bridesmaids was uh, living upstairs, and um, her boss came and knocked on my door, and we went upstairs, and she had taken her life. And... Um, so I found her uh, with him, and I just ate my way through the next year or more. Because um, that's not a thing we're ever expected to know how to do, which I didn't know, I think. I think I, I guess I thought I'd, I'd better deal with this like I deal with everything and just get through it and look really great on the outside and seem calm and cry when appropriate. But I'm a crier, man. I am an emotional, sensitive human being. And um, 
I'm coming up on seven years of that anniversary in uh, about a, six weeks or so. And every year, it just, the spring is tough. I lost my mother-in-law three years ago now uh, in March. And so this time between March and May is, is a, there's a physical nature to what the spring feels like for me. But I, I, I'm so grateful. Oh, my God. I'm so grateful that I had food and starving and binging and purging during that time because I think I would not be married. I would be in rehab. I could be dead. I would have found some other way to get through it because I couldn't call my friends. I couldn't pick up the phone. I was, in fact, suffering from major depression. And I, I just didn't know how to manage life, like, and especially not big life stuff. Um, so eventually, I guess about a year later, my husband got a, a job out here. We would planned to move, and we did, and thank God, because it wasn't the move that saved me, but it was this fellowship. And Atlanta has a small fellowship, but I'm not sure how I would have made my way there uh, without these direct connections I've had out in L.A. And I, like I said, I came into these rooms, and... I just had this like guttural reaction to whatever the hell you people were talking about. I did not know what what is an abstinence. What why why is that lady crying? She looks great. Uh, there's a guy in here. What? Like they're just like it was so confusing and so weird and so right all at the same time. And I. Um, I guess I sort of was struck abstinent-ish. I heard somebody say, oh, I eat uh, three meals and two snacks, and that's what I do. And so I was like, well, maybe I can do that alone, of course. I can do that by myself with no help at all. What are the steps? Oh, well. Um, <laughs> and I, I, for a couple of months, I was able to put together days and days and days of three meals and two snacks and I I added no eating after dinner because night eating was killing me and it was sort of like three binges and two smaller binges and then no more binges after that and so it worked and then I went to the OA birthday party my you know three months into program or so and um, a woman I had heard speak and then had a dream about was also at the sponsor meet and greet, and I was like, that, yep, I'll take that one. And um, she agreed to work with me, and she was my sponsor for the first, I guess, two and a half, three years of my abstinence. And then um, she had something come up and was not able to sponsor me anymore, and at the time I was traveling doing a project, and I just felt like, I, well, steer, how do I steer this canoe now? How do I do this and I really learned the importance of, of working with others um, my first couple years of abstinence my abstinence now by the way is no binging no purging um, because it, it's simpler and with some of the other autoimmune stuff that's come up for me it's not always possible for me to eat three meals and two snacks um, now I usually do because I also happen to now be eating the correct food plan for my nutritional and like health needs. But that took me, you know, I'm about five and a half years into absence now. That's how long that took me to really be able to, um, I was going to say commit, but really it's let go. Really it's to let go of the idea that 
being sick is preferable because then at least I get to decide how I feel. That was a, ooh, I'm working with a health coach lately and that was a, that was a rough, that was a rough blow because it really highlighted how much I still want to control things. I still want to, okay, I'll be gluten free, but I'm not quite willing to let go of grains, even though that's what my body requires. Ooh, it's just sort of been, um, it's been painful and, and liberating at the same time. But I, I struggled through the next couple of sponsors, I guess. I, I had um, a great sponsor, but she was uh, on the other side of the country and has the life I want to have and so doesn't have much time for a scheduled commitment. So that, that ended up not working great for me. I had a sponsor briefly here who was wonderful but just not the right fit. And um, thank you. And what I learned is that, oh, great, awesome. Thank you, anyway. It was a really nice ringtone. Um, I, I, need, I guess what I needed now in a sponsor was someone who um, is willing to assist me in being a turtle for a little while. Um, I... From the day one of working with my first sponsor, for the first three years, I sent a full tenth step every day. I sent my food. Then I committed my food for a long time. Then I did sober eating for a long time. And all of it worked great and got me to where I needed to be until it didn't work. And sometimes I've learned in this program my brain finds a new way to obsess about things that might have been working for a long time. It it started, thank you also. Yes, there it is. I um, I was able to get on the scale until I wasn't. And then I gratefully accepted that that was not working for the moment and that it was causing me more pain than I needed. And um, I'm grateful for that because today my program looks very different than the regimented daily work and, you know, six meetings a week and this commitment to phone calls and that commitment to sponsees and... I miss some of that in my life, but I also have to allow space right now for physical healing. That is part of what we do. I forgot. <laughs> oh, uh, it's a three-legged stool. This emotional, mental, physical recovery has to all come. And I guess now is the time that I'm meant to be working on this physical stuff. I've been really sick for the last uh, year. And statistics-wise, I was down about, I guess, close to 40 pounds. I'm up a little bit now. Um, and I, I, I'm super, I'm uncomfortable in it. To, to be totally honest, last night was rough. I just was in the mental obsession about, but that role and this thing and that. And I was like, thank God. Someone texted me. I was like, hey, how's having a body today? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> just so like, I was so mad. I was so mad, and I was like, I need you to co-sign my crap for a little while longer. I am not ready to let go of obsessing about this. But I heard this wonderful speaker at, I think it was Thanksgiving in the park, say, I'm walking closer to the sunshine of the spirit, and I guess I just need a little more padding to do so right now. Guys, you dropped some bombs. I'm telling you what. You just stop texting me. It's, I just... Um, the fact of the matter is my body's not my business, with the exception of doing what is God's will for me. 
And my prayer to God on a daily basis is, Thy will and mine be one. Because I, I want it to be the same. That's what I crave these days. Is I want to want for myself that supreme, badass life that my higher power wants for me. I have a rad higher power available for loan. And she is like... She just doesn't want me to feel like crap on a daily basis. She doesn't want me to have fatigue issues. She doesn't want me to be in the body of session. She wants me to be a vibrant example of what is possible in this world. And that's what I work now to get to. Um, I'm working on step 11, which I find... um, I enjoy the parts where I get to buy little things for my meditation table, and then I don't enjoy <laughs> I don't enjoy the parts where I sit down and try to imperfectly meditate because my brain is like, "You're not doing it right, you know, just whatever whatever I'm trying to do. So now I just try to do nothing and try to just put on a timer and sit for three minutes or one minute um, because I've seen the benefit of prayer. And I've seen the benefit of meditation, and I've seen when they come together in my fellows. And they are awesome. Like, that feels like such a, a, a completion of, of the beginning of this program for me. Um, I've been working with others since the beginning, too. I sponsored for a long time, so I'm looking forward to what that looks like when I get to the step work of it. Um, I guess I just... Um, I guess I long these days for that perfect imperfection of a day and for my gratitude to be really full no matter what the day brings. Um, I know now in program that I can show up messy and out of control and getting straight D's and just trying. And I just didn't know that that was an option before. (laughs) I didn't know that I could walk through hospice with my mother-in-law and not think I was the one who was dying. You know, like I didn't know I could do that kind of work in this life without making it about me. it is my absolute pleasure in this life now to be of service and to be of use. And that was one of the first things I asked for when I started, thank you, I'll wrap up, uh, when I started my work on my health this year was just to be able to be fully of use again. Um, and that's all, that's all you guys, so thank you. Uh, This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Uh, Please remember if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Um, Yeah. Really get past my own obsession, compulsion, and you know, stay steady and perfect. And I really 
Thank you. Um, the question is going for, about going from the isolation of this disease into the fellowship. Is that right? Or into into the world? Into connection. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like I lucked out because, like I said, I, I had a, a best friend of many years lead me in. And then I had my other best friend of many years follow us into the rooms. So I was sort of bookended by these tremendous women. Um, from my life before program, which has, uh, one of them used to say that when I started calling her at 7 a.m. our time, she thought I was in a cult. <laughs> First, she wondered what was wrong, if I was in the hospital or like dying, because that was the level of isolation. Like if I was picking up the phone, something was wrong when I was in, in my disease. Um, I think practice. I'm still so uncomfortable. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely an extrovert, but I am still so uncomfortable with humans and other people who might have a thought about me, God forbid. Um, but I think when I first came in, uh, looking across the circle and, and letting God remind me that I am the same as you and him and her, and we have the same problem and I'm not alone anymore, um, that was useful for me. I think allowing others to be of service to me was useful. I, 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 it's been hard to let go of that. I think isolation and do-it-yourselfness do it for me go hand in hand. Now, five or whatever years in, I think that the thought process is like, do it yourself. Just kidding. You should maybe make a call. You know, like, <laughs> thankfully, but I think it took practice of me stumbling through oh why do I feel so awful or why did I eat that thing or why am I obsessing about my body or why am I not showing up for commitments um, stumbling through all of that and then like trying like one phone call a week helped um, I think also my, my defects were helping me at the beginning you know my perfectionism of, of doing the program right was actually very useful because my sponsor sent me this litany of things we were going to do. She was like, don't worry about doing them all now. And I was like, great, so do them all now? <laughs> Got it. You know, and, and that helped at first. Um, I think for me it was just practicing doing whatever it took to um, pick up the phone or, or go to the, the meeting. It's always useful for me to meet somebody somewhere, make a commitment to another person if I don't have a commitment at the meeting. Um, oh, sure, Jim, I'm going to meet you at this meeting. And if I don't show up, then I've let Jim down, which also is another way my defects are still working for me because I want Jim to like me so much. Um, so I think, I think it, it still happens. This year's been rough for isolation. Being chronic, chronically ill has been pretty traumatic. And... Um, a great excuse for me to just be on the couch all day. Even if I have to be on the couch all day, even if I'm on bed rest, I don't have to isolate. I, and I've been doing it a lot this year, to be totally honest. I, it's, it's been happening. And um, 
I think for, for me now what it takes is getting a little taste of what that good, sweet, spiritual life is. Um, people call me now, which I'm so grateful for, leaning on my fellows to, to pick up the slack when I can't pick it up myself. Um, yeah, I hope that answers that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, talk about higher power and, and um, how it's on loan, and did I always have, have that? Is that right? Yeah. So, yeah, I grew up in a, church, a pretty awesome church in the um, city of Atlanta, um, full of artists and just generally great people. So I had a spiritual connection in some way from, from the moment I could go with my parents. Um, but I honestly, I did not use it until program. I, I prayed and I kind of knew the things to do and I enjoyed church and I liked singing and I had some great connections with some of the younger people at my, at my church, but I also had a lot of questions. I had a lot of problems with being told what to do and this is the way we do things and here are our belief systems and, um, so I just, I think I'm grateful that there was a little bit of a, um, I guess a, a basis or something there for willingness to believe. Um, and then when I came into program, I'm pretty sure it was, it was the higher power of the circle of, of people at first that really, that, that I think that was what I felt when I came in the rooms. Hope. I mean, I, I come in the rooms and I'm like, oh, snap, everybody believes. Like in something. Everybody believes that X is possible with this program. And I think that's what I really felt. And then for me, getting to like, I mean, when I worked step three, part of it was I got to doodle my higher power. You know, like I got to actually craft and design what I thought was the most desirable, pleasurable being to go to with my problems. Um, which that was great. I was like, that was an op- was that an option all along, and no one told me because I had this image of this, you know, stodgy old fogey god, and I was like, that's boring. I don't have a problem with the god word. I think for me it was always just a word. So I say higher power, or god, or goddess, or whatever. Mine is a woman because I, 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 um, I don't know. I think I just needed more of a mom, maybe. More of like, to be honest, it's about the giant boobs and being able to like fall onto them like a pillow when I need it. Like, if I'm being real, like it's about being like, ah, you know, there we go. That's better. Um, I need that like cushiony, enveloping love. Um, She's super sparkly, just glitter. It's like a rave. I wanted something that felt joyful and warm and, um, and, and loving and unconditional because I struggle to love myself unconditionally. I, I'm very conditional with my self-love. If I am this size, if I do these things, even now, if I'm good enough at program, 
Like, it's so silly, but my higher power doesn't have time for that. And um, I also crafted a higher power that has time for me. Um, I think I had a lot of ideas about, like, I mean, God, you know, is busy with, like, poverty and, you know, famine, death. Doesn't probably have time to lift my body obsession today. But actually, she does. She's available for all of it. If you have problems, take her. She's super portable, like those cute little bags you can get that fold up into their own tiny bag. Because um, I have to know that I can take this program and my, my faith everywhere. Everywhere. You know, my disease does not take vacations. And it doesn't take days off. It doesn't even take moments off. So... Um, I also have a God that loves my disease. Um, I've tried lately to em- embrace this idea that I don't have to tell my disease to F off, that I can ask it what it needs from me and what it's trying to protect me from. That feels, that feels like part of my God to me. Um, and, it, and the list is always changing of what I need. So first came in, my God was this image of my friend's mom with these white dreadlocks they're just flowing everywhere and like now it's just sort of like an amorphous loving boob blanket um, I am nailing this you guys uh, uh, available for travel should you need I hope that's useful sorry um, did that answer that um, trying to keep an eye on the clock. Yes. Yeah. How do I deal with uh wanting foods that I may or may not probably should eat. Uh, That's rough. So the food plan I'm working towards with outside help is is an autoimmune food plan. Um, I've worked on and off with it with a nutritionist. I'm a big fan of outside help for that reason because I I think I know how to feed myself and what is going to be good and not good. I do not know, typically. What I learned trying to, um, with my higher power, craft a a meal plan that works for me is that I can't restrict. Um, It's not on my abstinence, but for me, restriction leads to binging. It's just a nice, round, pretty circle. So restricting or starving or not eating meals, all that stuff is is kind of part of my food plan of make sure you maybe don't do those things. in terms of foods I don't eat, uh, for a long time I didn't do uh, refined sugar or uh, what recreational sugar, I think is a phrase I've heard around. Because I just learned that, okay, I'm, I'm not eating 12 of those whatever items, but I also don't feel good after one. Thank you so much. Um, and so it, it just, I think it took the time that it took in program for me to practice connecting on a regular enough basis that if I was reaching for something that wasn't 
going to be great for me, I had a second thought. I had a pause. Um, now I'm working on this, this food plan for my health. And one of the prerequisites with this outside help is that it has to be sustainable for me. It has to be delicious and pleasurable. And it has to be fun to make. Um, because all those things were barriers of entry for me to, uh, to take care of myself. So there's stuff I, I now don't eat um, because it's, I, I've been gluten-free now for not almost nine years just for health reasons. Uh, it's, an, it's a non-starter for me. But now letting go of many, many, many more foods as we pave this road for you know, healing for me has been, it's been tough. It's, it's hard for me to let go. It's in general. It's been really hard for me to let go of the idea that I'm um, missing out. Because I think the truth is when I don't eat things that hurt my body, I'm actually not missing out on anything. I'm, I, I'm, well, maybe I am. I'm missing out on pain. I'm missing out on depression. I'm missing out on isolation, on uh, flare-ups of my personal health stuff. Um, but I think for me, the key to finding a food plan, whether it was whether it's now or at the times when I was doing kind of a red, green, yellow food light list, food, yeah, you guys got me. Um, the key was, uh, you know, not eating certain things is a diet not eating certain things with God as a food plan. Um, for me, that was really crucial. Uh, really sitting with things. And then, and then for me also, because I'm such a perfectionist and a straight-A kid, I don't also get to beat myself up if I have a misstep with my food plan. I don't get to spend a whole day in obsession about this whatever I had. Um, I do get to move into service and out of self, self-loathing. Um, did I answer that? I don't know. That's, can I see what a people pleaser I am? I have to ask you if I did good. <laughs> <laughs> um, could you expand a little bit on uh, the um, red light, uh, red, green, yellow light foods and being a diet as opposed to yeah. eating, uh, not eating the yellow and whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, great. I love all these sounds in here. Um, so about the red, yellow, and green foods, and then, you know, not eating with God. Um, not eating, I guess, I hate the words bad or good, but not good for me, I'll say, foods uh, with God. Yeah, as opposed to diet. Um, so I, I, that was one of the first things I did when I first came to the program was make that list. Some things I knew immediately. And some, a lot of things for me were behaviors as opposed to specific foods. Um, and the question I was instructed to ask myself is, if I eat this, will I think about it all day? Um, or if I do this, will I think about it all day? And then later, if I do or eat this, will I feel like a piece of crap all day? Um, and so that was, a, I thought that was very clear for me. Um, and there were definitely foods I knew. You know, I think we do know. If there's shame around it, then maybe it's not that it's a red light food, but there's something there. And that's what we, got, we get to uncover, right? The, for me, it's been about the food and not about the food, I, I assume as it is for many people. But um, I just make that list and remake that list a lot with sponsors. For today, what is killing me? And that goes on a red light list. 
And yellow light list foods for me are always things like, eh, maybe I shouldn't order that. I'm going to do it anyway, and I feel okay for that time. <laughs> and, and, and they are foods that sometimes I'm okay with and sometimes I'm not. And typically I also just don't eat them now because it's usually not part of my, my health food plan for my, for my health. And then green lights was always like, salads! What do I look like? I'm in an ad eating. You know, like, just like <laughs> coconut water. You know, like, just... So green lights for me was the silliest list on the planet. It was just, like, everything else. Um, and for me, on the green light list is um, asking God everything. Um, and I'll wrap that up. I think... Um, taking as many pauses as possible when crafting that food plan with help, with as much outside help and inside help as we can get, um, was really key for me. And, and also just knowing that if I feel like I'm dieting, it's time to go to God. Because I've had that sensation on this, on this new health journey. And, and it means I don't get to decide anymore. I get to ask my higher power and wait, 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 wait for the response. Sometimes it takes a really long time, but if I don't have the answer, it's not time to make the decision for me. Um, I'm going to wrap up. I hope that was good. Give me a straight A. Um, Lord.